Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Reminding the church, all of us, that it's not about the building. It's about people. And that's what we are here for today, because God is concerned about each and every one of us, but each and every one of the people who are not even here yet. And today, uh, with God's help, I want to preach a message to you uh, entitled, The One That Really Matters. The One That Really Matters. And before we jump into the Word... um, I I encountered a story of a man named Andrew Fisher, and I put his picture on the screen. And you could see that and probably guess what he does. Anyone want to take a guess? He does golf. (laughs) He is golf. He plays golf. Well, he's actually not a golfer per se. He is a golf fitness coach for the pros. And he's like literally one-on-one traveling in the fancy jets with the pro PGA golfers and stuff. But he's actually a fitness coach for them. And so he said, I've been among queens and kings from different countries. I've traveled with all of the celebrity and fanfare and pomp and circumstance that you could imagine. He had a lot of success and money, but he said, you know, after traveling so much, it, it wore me out and I got tired of always being living out of a suitcase traveling. So he said, instead, I want to run a business. Instead, I just want to shift gears and figure out how I can use what I know. And, and instead of traveling all the time doing this for golfers, I want to turn it into a business where I can do it from one place and help many more people. So he poured thousands of dollars And he says, the way he described it, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And he developed an app for like mobile devices that would train golfers in their fitness aspect. And guess what? He had no success. Zero. Nothing. He tried a second time with a different approach and poured more money into it. And this time it still wasn't successful. It failed. He tried a third time, still failed. But on the fourth time, he finally got it right. So it took him three times falling flat on his face. But the fourth time was when he got it right. Francis Chan said this, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Now, to a golfer, fitness matters a lot. And, and I think he's found his thing, and that's why he's finding success there. Andrew Fisher is dealing with golfers. But as a believer, we are dealing with souls. We are dealing with people and their eternal well-being. So there's a, a big difference because God's kingdom, the economy in God's kingdom isn't money. Did you know that? God's economy is souls. That's the currency that it runs on. The the currency in God's economy is souls. And so we have to make that of concern to us. And it's important. Why? Again, Francis Chan, our greatest fear should not be of failure. Oh, it didn't work or I didn't get it this time. But of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. 
And so today the question we're going to keep coming back to is, what is your one thing? What is the one thing for you right now that really matters? That you're, you're trying to get so desperately to get right? Is it Jesus or is it something entirely different? Because at the end of it all, this is Cole's notes, we can say amen now and go. He is the one that really matters. So I'm giving you the answer before I even preach the whole message. He's the one that really matters. So we have to make sure if we succeed at one thing, we make sure that it's with Jesus. We make sure that it's in our relationship with Jesus. That is the most important thing. If you have your Bible, would you stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke 10 verse 38. As you turn there, I just want to say, as uh, Priscilla and I were away last weekend, uh, you might want to call it a baby moon before baby number three comes. We tried to get away as a family. Uh, everyone asked, how was your vacation? I was like, well, it wasn't really a vacation for us as parents uh, because we took our kids to water parks and Legoland. We were chasing them pretty much the whole time, but they had a lot of fun. In the process, so I said it was more of a time to make memories than to just chillax. Uh, but nevertheless, we uh, we still went to church on Sunday, though it wasn't in uh, in the GTA. But wherever you go on vacation this summer, all I want to say before we get to the word is find a place to to go and and worship the Lord and to hear a message from His Word wherever you are. And and I I've made that a practice my whole life. And, and I love Jesus. So if he's the main thing in my life, the one that really matters, doesn't matter where I go, I find his house. Can you say amen? Because I, I know where daddy lives. I go and I find him and I worship together with the family where whatever city I find myself in. Just a little side note. So Luke chapter 10, by the way, if you are going to a specific place and you're like, I have no idea of a good church in the area. Ask me, I might have some friends that are pastors in some of these areas. So Luke 10, verse 38. If you're there, shout amen. All right, so it says in verse 38, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And here it is, verse 42. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Again, verse 42, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for our time of worship. Lord, the time already at the altar where we were praying and believing for miracles and for healing, God. Now I pray, Lord, that as we consider what your word says, you would speak to every heart, anoint my mind, my mouth, and my heart, that I might speak your word to your people in this season that we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There is only one thing worth being concerned 
about. And Mary has discovered it. Mary has discovered it. You see, a lot of us tend to be more like Martha. And for a moment, I just want to speak to those of you who serve in our church. By the way, when we do our ratio of attendance versus those who serve, usually it's like, oh, 20% do 80% of the work. Our, our ratios are very different. It's over 50% of people who come to Weston that actually serve in, a, in any kind of ministry on a given Sunday or a given day of the week. And it's incredible to think about that. So I just want to speak for a quick moment for those of you who serve. And maybe you're visiting our church. Maybe you're on vacation and you found a church to worship and and to hear a word from. So maybe you're here and you serve at a different church. Hear, Hear this, that you could be so busy serving and being about God's business that you actually miss out on God himself. You could be running around, scurrying about, crossing every T, dotting every I, that you actually miss out on Jesus in the process. Uh, do we need people to serve? Absolutely, or else the church will, will not exist. We need people to, to, to do their part? Absolutely. The Bible says that each one of us has been given a gift, and it is for the benefit of the church, Corinthians says. So... It's not a call to just sit back and say, well, I do too much. I miss God in the process. No, no, no. Hear what I'm saying. You could be like Martha, where you're in the same room and environment, and you just miss out on the blessing that God has. You miss out on that encounter of His presence that makes you new, that refreshes you, that that renews your heart. And so it's just a caution Because you could still even be sitting here under the ministry of the Word, but your head is elsewhere. You're still a Martha. Because all you hear is to-do lists. One, two, three bullet points, da-da-da, and it keeps going. And then all you hear is, in conclusion, and then you tune in and you go, okay, we're almost done. Because I got a a list now to do. Um, if you take notes, I just I think you're taking notes, not writing a to-do list for for 12.30 p.m. But it's okay. Take notes. I encourage you to do it as you can dwell on the word during the week. Martha, she was in the same room as Mary, but Jesus, by his response, has said, Martha missed the whole point of me being in the home today. She missed out. And I like what he says, though, about Mary, that Mary discovered the one thing that is most important. What is that, my friend? What is the most important thing? Jesus. He's the one that really matters. He's the one that really matters. Martha wanted to cook a meal. And we need people. The Bible even talks about those who have the gift of hospitality. Because I'm terrible at hosting. You can ask my wife. She's like, the glasses are empty. Ask them if they want more water or juice or or Coke or whatever it is. And and I'm like, oh yeah. Like I get lost in the conversation part of the whole hosting. But... So we are to practice the gift of hospitality, if that's your gift. And it's good to open up your home and to entertain people and to serve food and to to do life together. But there has to be a focus that when this is time with Jesus, that, that we maximize every opportunity that we have. Nothing wrong with cooking a meal for friends, but 
make sure that that is not the priority over your relationship with Jesus. Can somebody say amen today? And we do have great cooks as well, but there could be other areas of life. Men, it's like, oh, I got to go to work. I got to go to work Sunday morning. Uh, because I worked so much, now I'm too tired to go to church. Uh, you, that could be your excuse. Or it's that I have to go to work. And I understand there are seasons in life where you need to provide for your family, men and women as well. But there are also <clears throat> seasons where you have to learn to still say, you know what? As much as this is important, there is someone that matters a lot more. Can somebody say amen? Or you can say, ouch, it's okay. I remember in Bible school with this idea of you could be in the same room and completely miss out. And I've shared this before, but in Bible school, I remember when I was in my second semester as a freshman, and I was looking around and I was seeking still the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And, and I was looking at other people and seeing how they were so lost in God's presence in worship, how they were so engaged with God. And, and here I was looking around. Some of you might say, oh, I remember the story. And I was just looking around saying, Lord, why are they experiencing you so wonderfully and marvelously? And here I am and I, I don't feel anything. And this is what God told me. He's like, look up. Literally, like I, I lifted my head as I heard those words in my spirit. Look up. And, and I realized here was my error. I was so concerned about how everyone else was experiencing God's presence, even in the same room as me. And I was completely ignoring it because I was too busy looking at other people. And in that moment, when I looked up, I realized, God, you've been here the whole time. You're just waiting for me to stop staring and to lift my eyes to heaven. And I tell you what, it wasn't long after that that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? We don't chase after what, what is in God's hand. We chase after the giver of the gift. And what's in His hand will be imparted and released to you. It's very important that we pursue God and His presence, not just what He has for us. So as Jesus is in the room, even today as we are praying, I know God was moving. You could have been anywhere in this room, and as God is doing some incredible things, you could still be sitting here or standing in the same room, unmoved. And I believe God wants to get a hold of every single heart that is here today, because He is the one that really matters. You see... What I learned in Bible school was that we have to keep and make sure that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing, number one priority, is to keep the main thing, Jesus, the main thing. So it's an easy way to remember it. If you could say main thing three times, there you go. Uh, this morning, in case you are taking notes, I do not have three points for you. I have one simple point. You ready for it? Here it is. It's the title you may have already written. He is the one that really matters. And that's the only thing that I want to drive home in our time together today. If we are Christians, then we should be paying particular attention to the words that Jesus said. Yes? So what he said to Mary is not just something that we say, Well, I'm the hospitable type. I'm the Martha. I got to be in the kitchen. And so and so is more like the Mary character. No. Jesus actually said to Martha, my dear Martha, in verse 41, you are worried and upset over all these details. 
there's only one thing worth being concerned about. He, it wasn't a rebuke, but he was correcting her way. Because what was Martha saying about Mary, her sister? She's saying, Jesus, look at this. She's just kneeling here with you while I'm doing all the work. And some of us maybe have that mentality. It's like, well, I'm here busting a sweat, and there you are just in God's presence or worship, like, what is that? Or maybe some of you host people Sunday for lunch and it's like one goes and one stays home to, to do all the work. Do it Saturday. Do it Saturday. Come. Worship together. Mary discovered the one thing. So Jesus was actually correcting Martha's thinking in the process. And he's saying, no, 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 Martha, thank you. I appreciate it, but you have it wrong because I won't be here forever. But this time is precious. And I love what he says, because it's true for, for the church today. And he says this, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I want you to know today that no one could rob you from God's presence. No one could snatch you away from your time with Jesus. Only you can busy yourself too much. Only you can busy yourself too much. If you don't put Jesus in your calendar, and I've said this already before, someone else is going to take that time slot very quickly and very easily. If you don't prioritize Jesus, because he's the one that really matters, in your calendar even, someone else will gladly take that time slot. You will lose it. It could be Netflix. It could be a coffee date with an old friend. Uh, but Jesus kind of says, hey, what, what about us? What about me? Because he's the one that really matters. You see, in speaking about being the one, God even said in John 3.16, it tells us, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only. So he's, he's the one that really matters, but He's the one and only. There is no one else that can take the place of Jesus in your life. And here's one thing I want to address before we turn to another passage in Mark 10, is that some of us, when life is going great, Jesus gets the back burner. Follow me for a second. But the minute trouble comes, the minute trouble comes, you're either on the phone calling for a pastor, not necessarily this church, just whoever a man of God would listen or a woman of God, and then you, you show up to church the very next time the doors are open. And I know people who are like that. When things are great, it's like, hey, I'm going to enjoy this time. And then as soon as trouble hits, it's like, oh, Jesus. Well, where was Jesus when things were good? Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And so it's important that we understand if he's the one that really matters, then it's not just on the bad days where you need a shoulder to cry on. The Bible says that he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That he's the lifter of your countenance, the lifter of your head. Yes, we need that. But what about when things are good? Well, didn't you know he is also the good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children? The Bible says that if we who are earthly parents know how to give good gifts and know how to give gifts to our children for the things they need. If they ask for bread, we'll give them bread, not a stone. Then why don't we acknowledge God when things are good? And this is something, a pattern that I see repeat. I'm not, I'm not addressing anyone in specific. Just in my years of ministry, and I've seen it happen. 
Or there's a family who never shows up, but the minute there's conflict or trouble, they are the first people here. I want to say one thing, though. We will always open our arms and willingly accept and pray for anyone who is like that. It doesn't offend me if people just choose to come when they need help. Come. This is the place where you need to be loved, not judged. And God, His arms are always open also. And we need to come running. So as the church, you might notice patterns. I might notice patterns. But I don't base my love of people on those patterns. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only. And if Jesus is the one that really matters, then let me give them Jesus. Let me encourage them and steer them in the right direction. And in the end, they're going to have to give account for every action and decision they've made. Just like I give an account for every action and decision I make. Can somebody say amen or ouch? So Mark chapter 10, you can turn there with me. And I want to draw your attention to a particular young man. The Bible describes him as a rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And here's what it says. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that a wonderful question? That's every pastor's dream. It's like, sure, let me lead you in a simple prayer. It's that easy. Look at verse 18. Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. How many commandments are there, by the way? Sorry? Ten. Right? So Jesus is drawing to the commandments that we just said there are ten. He says, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. And then honor your father and mother. Verse 20 says, Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, look at this. Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I want to just take, in the little time we have left, a few moments to just look at what's going on here. Remember, He's the one that really matters. And Jesus, in verse 19, says, You know the commandments, but why did Jesus only list off six? Right? What did He say? You must not murder, commit adultery, steal, testify falsely, cheat anyone, and then honor your father and mother. So he listed six, though, verbally, Jesus. Is it that he forgot the other four? I don't think so. I believe when we look at it, you can break the commandments into two sections. One places the focus on man's dealings with man. But the last four that Jesus didn't mention 
focused or are centered on man's dealings with God. Right? There, there are no other gods but me. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so Jesus focused on the first six. What was the man's response? Oh, I've obeyed thee since I was young. So what does this tell us? This young rich ruler had morals. He treated others well. And he also had a passion for eternal life because he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's still one thing you haven't done, Jesus tells him. And what does he say? Go sell your possessions. Give all the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure where? In heaven. Then come follow me. And the response just to that simple direction or instruction, it says that the man's face fell. And he went away sad. Why? Because he had a lot of possessions. Wealth is not wrong and is not a sin. The love of money, not money, the love of it, is the root of all evil. And what I believe this uh, encounter is showing us and demonstrating to us is that when Jesus told him what to do, he suddenly realized, I love and I trust my money more than I trust Jesus. And that's why Jesus then said it's hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven because he didn't want to let go. He trusted in his wealth more than he trusted in who Jesus was. You see, Jesus is the one that really matters. He, he went away sad. Why? Well, because he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He was asking a simple question. What must I do to inherit life? See, he thought it was by doing things. Right? He, all six, he said, I've been doing it since I was young. Jesus knew that it wasn't about how he deals with people. He was a moral man. But that it was to deal with something that was close to his heart. And in his case, it was money. And Jesus has to be number one. Remember, we said your place of employment is not your source of income. You get a paycheck, but he's your source. And again, there are people... Until they lose their job, they're not in church, but they lose the job, and the prayer request is, uh, I need a financial breakthrough. Well, have you been tithing when you did have a job, or have you been including God in all of these other parts of your life? Because, I mean, God wants to to do this for you, but let's honor God 100% of the time, not just when we are broken and desperate and needing Him. Because think about God as a father. I always want my son and my daughter to honor me as their father, yes? Not just when I give them a treat and they're like, Dad, I love you, you're so good. Dad, can I have another one? Right? But that's how we do it with God. No, even when it's, uh, when, when I'm not giving you treats, do you love me? I'm still your dad. I still love you. I'm still there for you. So let us be there and say, God, you have, you have the number one place in my heart. You're the one that really matters. It essentially, this encounter with Jesus and the rich young ruler, it essentially shows us that the rich man trusted his money more than he trusted Jesus. And friend, today, if Jesus is the one, what's the one thing that is between you and him? For this man, it was money. 
For you, it could be anything else. For you, it could be success and the career path that is in front of you. And that's the one thing going for you. So that's the one thing you prioritize. That's the one thing you focus on. It's the one thing that you will spend money on. It's the one thing that you will uh, be consumed with in your thoughts. Maybe it's love and relationships. And maybe you're waiting and desiring a spouse. Uh, Maybe it's, forget spouse, you just want a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Let's be real today. Maybe it's just a desire you have. Jesus wants to be number one. He's the one that really matters. Again, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. If He's the one that really matters and you're putting Him first, don't you think every other detail, God is saying, Hey, I got this. Don't worry. Hey, I I got this. Don't worry. Trust me. But when you decide to, to, to try to make things happen, ah, we are really good at making a mess of life and of situations. Maybe it's sex and lustful pleasures, pornography even, and, and you, you, no problem dropping money on those types of things, which the Bible considers debauchery, sin. And Jesus is saying, what about what about?" your commitment to me that you made? What about when that time when you knelt down at the altar and gave me your heart? He's like, I took it seriously. What about you? Or maybe it's sickness even that's standing between you and God. Maybe it's sickness or distraction. But maybe it's that, hey, I'm upset at you, God, because... I'm still not healed and I'm still waiting or I'm upset because my mom or my sister or my uncle died in their condition. And maybe that's the one thing that's between you and God. On Monday, July 10th, it marked 12 years since my mother passed away in a car accident. Today, as we were singing, uh, I couldn't help but weep. Not because uh, of anything more, but that God has been so faithful that He's carried me through every season. And some uh, people ask me all the time, how old are you again? I was like, 23. 23, oh my. How did that, like, how, how did you make it? How did you make it through that time? I'll tell you why and how. He's the one that really matters. I remember one of my friends from high school came to the funeral service, and we're going to close in a moment, and I want to pray for you. And my friend... He was like, I'm so angry and upset because they got hit by a a young guy speeding in a Mustang, T-boned on my mom's side. She never made it. And they all said, I'm so upset and angry at this guy. I want to go and punch his... Like, they they were telling me all this stuff, and I was like, it's okay. They were more upset than my family. And, and, And I was like, relax, relax. I said, God has everything under control. And so today, when I look back, it's not me who is strong. It was Him. He's the one that really matters, friend. Church, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet even now as we get ready to close. If Jesus is the one, and He's the one who really matters, what is the one thing between you and Him today that is stopping you, that is 
slowing you down in this, in this race with God. It's not against God. It's a race with God. We are on the same journey, and he's running alongside of us as a, as a coach often would and say, come on, you can do this. You're there. Keep the finish line in sight. You could do this. And today I want to pray for each and every one of you. I'm going to pray a general prayer, but it's, if, it's a specific prayer because God is a specific God. And God, in His Word, says, Cast your care upon me, for I care for you. You don't even need to tell the pastor any details. Because God knows today. He knows your situation. He knows if there's one thing that's holding you back. He knows what it is. He just wants you to recognize it today and to surrender it to Him. Say, Lord, You are now my one thing. You are the one thing that I hold on to today. Maybe you're believing for healing. He is your healer. He is your one today. He's the one. And the doctors said, hey, we give you all the meds we can. We've tried the the, the invasive surgery and it didn't work. And don't know what else to do. I want you to know he's the one. He's the one that can do something that the doctors, when they say, there's nothing else. I don't know what else we can do. Go to the one who made you, who formed you, who knit you together, the word says, while you were in your mother's womb. Today, my, my simple question is, are you willing to make him the one? Make him the one. And maybe you've been serving the Lord faithfully, but you, you know, I'm reminded in Revelation where Jesus telling the church, return, come back to your first love. Maybe you still have Jesus as a part of the equation, but he's not the one. He's the one plus one plus one plus one in, in four. Jesus is saying, make me first in your life. Make me a priority today. And I will, I will help you and take care of everything else that is going on. But you have to be willing to let it go so that we can let God do what he does best. So today, I'm going to ask every just raise your hands as I pray for you as a sign that you want to receive what God has to offer today. It's also a sign of us with open hands saying, God, whatever I've been holding on to, I give up today. I surrender it all to you, God, today, and I give you everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for everything that you've already accomplished in our time together. But Lord, if there could be just one more thing that we would ask of you, Lord, it's not for what you hold in your hand in terms of blessing. God, it's simply we want you. We want you and nothing else. So God, as a sign of surrender to that point, God, we we lift our hands to you. Yes, in worship, but Lord, also in surrender. And we say, Jesus, you can have it all, Lord. You can take it all, God. Uh, Lord, our brokenness, you could take uh, our sickness, you could take everything, our, our depression, our anxiety, Lord, our, our empty bank account even. Lord, we throw our hands up to you today and declare we don't just want to serve you when it gets really hard and we show up to church, but Lord, 24-7, well, Lord, you are the one. 
that we desire. You are the one that we adore. And so, God, I thank you today for every individual who's got their hands raised to the heavens. Father, we just say we are yours, wholly and completely yours. Lord, teach us like Mary to sit at your feet. Lord, teach us like Mary to just be preoccupied with your presence. Lord, when there's so many other busy things that we need to do still, We say, Jesus, you are the number one priority in our day. You are the number one priority in our life and in our in our bank book, in our calendar, in every aspect. You are the one that really matters. And so, God, today, as we commit ourselves afresh and anew, I pray that you would take great honor and take great joy to be number one again. Lord, we thank you that you are not done with us. You are just getting started. So turn up the heat now, I pray. Holy Spirit. Use us as your church, Lord, to accomplish your purpose and your will. And Lord, we will do this on any given day that we are given a chance to live and breathe. Because it's in you that we live and breathe and move and have our being. So God, we we just want to say thank you, Lord. Can you thank him, church? Let, Let there be a spirit of gratitude today for what God is doing. Lord, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for the families and the individuals who call this place home. And Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them that it is, Lord, your concern that you, for our well-being. And this morning, God, as we leave, we leave with our head held high, for you are the lifter of our head. Lord, this morning we leave with our healing, because you are our healer. Lord, today we leave with joy, because you are the source of true joy, and we trade our mourning into dancing today. And Lord, we thank you, and we give you all the glory, because it's all yours in the end. You are the one that really matters and we declare this as a testimony of our life from this day forward in Jesus name we pray amen and amen amen thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.